Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for another edition of Around the Nest 2.0 Season 2. It's Friday, July 21st. The All-Star break has come and gone, and we are back to our regularly scheduled programming. Tyler Zickel, voice of the High A Vancouver Canadians, joined by a full compliment here in the Nest this afternoon. Of course, our producer, Leo Mui, getting us started. Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo. Chris Valentine from Single A Dunedin. And while he's not here yet, we've been promised an appearance from Gareth Kwok, the road radio voice of the double a new hampshire fisher cats gentlemen good day happy friday what a second half it has been it has been up it has been down we've had exciting wins throughout the system the big leaguers are in the midst of a playoff hunt as well so a good time to be in our organization as we start at the top of the ladder as we always do pat malacaro cheers to you Empire State battle this week. Syracuse Mets taking on those AAA Buffalo Bisons. The Herd off to a rollicking start in the second half, Pat. Give us your second half status report. Yeah, really, Tyler, great to chat with you after after a couple of weeks off. And the Bisons have consistency, finally, from the starting nine. And that's something, really, I don't think the team had for the first, really, half of the season. And one of the reasons why there were the struggles, whether it would be the injury to Addison Barger up and down for Nathan Lucas and Ernie Clement throughout the course of the season. Uh, there have just been a lot of different factors that have not allowed Casey Candell and crew to pencil in a consistently steady lineup. Uh, it has gotten more consistent now with the promotion of Jordan Luplo to the big leagues. That hurts a little bit, and good for him to go back on the uh, the active roster, on the 40, and on the 26-man roster. But uh, the Bisons don't have as many holes to fill now, now that Jordan Luplo is gone. So I think that's the one big thing is when you look at why the Bisons have scored so many big run totals as they came out of the All-Star break, right even right before it, uh, against Rochester with a big uh, eight-run victory. 
And then they score eight runs twice against Toledo. Uh, they have a 13-run victory in there uh, in the process. They've had some big run totals. It's because of that consistency. And guys like Spencer Horwitz, who have walked a lot, he comes up with two more home runs yesterday. He's been hitting the ball well. Addison Barger has come through with a couple of big hits for the Bisons uh, since coming back off the injured list. I know you've seen it, and if fans have seen his highlights, uh, there's no small swings from Addison Barger. Everything is that big leg kick and the big swooping swing, and it seems like everything comes off the bat over 100 miles an hour. So you add that into the fact that the Bisons have gotten really good starting pitching really for the last month or so uh, consistently. You lose Casey Lawrence, but you, you keep that consistency with the rest of your starters. That has been a recipe for Buffalo to be right there at the start of the second half. You got to see something, Pat, that not a lot of people get to see in one game, and you saw it twice. Two five-hit performances, Spencer Horwitz and Ernie Clement. Just from the broadcast booth, what was your perspective on that historic day to see two guys get five hits in one night as part of a beatdown that the Bisons put on? That must have been a fun one to call. It was. It was the first time in 13 years in our franchise history that uh, two two players and the, the Bisons had five hit games and uh, the first time in the Blue Jay affiliation era. So for Ernie Clement, he's just a guy that can play anywhere in the diamond. He's, he's the guy that, you know, what, what the Blue Jays kind of hoped that a Kevin Biggio would be in the big leagues where, um, you know, Ernie does it here at AAA and, and can in, in spots do it in the big leagues, but he can play all over the diamond, whether it be the outfield, uh, left side of the infield, first base a little bit, just comes through with big hits for this team when they need it. The veteran that, you know, for whatever reason, didn't fit in in the Oakland A's uh, plans during spring training, but, uh, you know, is such a benefit, a player that uh, has a lot of good experience at AAA in the big leagues, that just goes out and plays the game the right way, has a lot of fun, and can come through with big performances. So I think for Ernie Clement, that's the one thing when you look at his season so far, it's been what you would hope when you sign those veteran free agents, Maybe not the power that you're looking for in, in a guy like maybe Luke Voigt, who's on the other side of things. But when you get Clement, who can just spray the ball to all field, uh, no surprise that he had, he had a five-hit game. And maybe the surprise for Spencer is that he had the five hits because that's not taking any weight from him. But he is so patient at the plate that you would expect him to reach base four, five, even six times in the game, but mix in a walk or two in that process. So uh, for Spencer, I think he's a player that, you see the confidence after getting his first big league promotion. You, you add in the fact that he went to the World Baseball Classic, uh, playing for Team Israel uh, right during spring training, and played in a big-time environment. Uh, all those games, what, no matter what pool you were in, they had a big-time feel to them, a, a playoff atmosphere. And I think that's something he's really fed off of this year. And for Horwitz, that's just a continuation of what has been a very strong season so far. It's certainly a far cry from 2021 when he was playing for the Canadians in front of all of maybe 12 fans on a nightly basis at Hillsborough's Ron Tonkin Field, the home away from home, when, of course, Spencer set the Northwest League hitting streak record with a knock in 28 straight, a record that had established itself in the mid-1960s, and then the pride of Timonia, Maryland, just rolls through the Northwest League and etches his name into the history books. I want to talk a little bit, Pat, about something you briefly mentioned, just talking about having fun at the AAA level. I think that That's the part of the minor league ladder where I don't want to say big league dreams go to die, but as a guy who's been a triple A for a long time, 
sometimes you might not have that same joy in the clubhouse that you might see at the lower levels of the minors. And certainly something that we're experiencing here in high A Vancouver, up, down, left and right, the vibes, the vibras, if you're from the Dominican, as they say, are super high for the seas right now. And of course, winning breeds that. But at AAA, seems like the Bisons are having some more fun of late and they've got a cast of characters that can contribute to as much as they're chasing big league dreams as individuals. Seems like there might be a little bit more cohesion now for the herd. There really is. And, you know, today the reality sets in once again. And not only is there, you know, the fact that guys may get sent down from the big leagues or maybe it's the frustration that they haven't gotten there yet, but Trent Thornton was designated for assignment earlier today to make room for the, the, the trade that the Blue Jays made uh, to acquire Genesis Cabrera. So, you know, those are the realities that set in in baseball in a AAA. And that is really is what made Casey Candell, as we've talked about in the past, such a good manager and, and a people person for this level. He's able to to deal with the different personalities and kind of coach guys through. Look, he's been through it all in the past. And then you have someone like Ernie Clement, who has been designated for assignment, has been released, has found his way to new teams, and has been back to the big leagues. So you get that. And then on your pitching staff, you've had a little bit of that as well. And a guy like Wes Parsons, who has spent time over the KBO and come back stateside. So, you know, he's been a steadying force. Bowden Francis has been up and down on the shuttle a couple of times this season. You really feel like as, as even though this Bison team is still very young, you do have that good mix of players with experience that have been able to mesh and guys have wanted to learn from them. And Ernie Clement's not old by any stretch of the imagination, but he's been through a lot in his career already. So when you have that and you build that rapport with your teammates, I think that breeds a lot of success. And it goes back to the consistency point when you start to win some games, you build that confidence. Someone like Spencer Horwitz had a six RBI day earlier in the season. LJ Talley, who's really struggled the first month of the year, he and Tanner Morris were really struggling and scuffling to get base hits. They started to perform a lot better and have uh, really steadied their offensive play and defensively as well. So yeah, winning breeds a lot of confidence, but also you're right. The, the fact that there have been so many uh, players on this team that have ex- the experience and guys feed off one another uh, certainly is something that has made uh, day in and day out that AAA life a little bit easier on the guys. On the complete other end of the spectrum, You've got one of the youngest players in the organization making his AAA debut, Elvis Martinez, who everybody's excited about. Of course, Gareth Kwok in AA, who we'll hear from in a little bit, got a whole lot of Elvis this year. But now Martinez at the upper level, though, the minors, and he certainly announced himself in a big way. What's been the eye test for you, Pat, over the first few games for Elvis Martinez? He's made a couple of nice plays at third base, and that's where we've seen him uh, so far on the left side of the infield. The, the big home run uh, off off of a billboard uh, off the bat over 100 miles an hour over left field uh, in one of his first at-bats to say, yeah, I'm here at AAA. Um, you know, something, you know, Gareth has seen this year and, and, and many Fisher Cat fans have seen over the last two years with uh, the, the home run totals that Aurelvis has put up uh, in the Eastern League. So to be able to do that here at AAA, I'm sure built some early confidence. And he's been able to go to his left pretty pretty well and rob a couple of base hits, even keep the ball in the infield just to keep uh, Syracuse from scoring a run. There, there was a big play in the game in his first game at AAA where he just kept the ball in the infield, and that's all you need him to do. And you don't ask him to do too much and get up and throw the ball away. He, he has that presence about himself. So I think, you know, we talk about somebody at the plate. Certainly the eye test shows that the power numbers are going to be there for Aurelvis and defensively, and it's something he really has worked on over the last year or so to – to be more sure-handed defensively and prove that he can play, uh, you know, left side of the infield for the Blue Jays uh, minor league affiliates. Uh, that is something that he he did pretty well at the other day, and I think good things are still to come for Ravis, who will be 
the designated hitter as we sit here tonight on Friday in Syracuse. Pat, just a couple more things for you before we let you go to get going for your game tonight in Syracuse. And they come from regular listener Jerry Mack on Twitter. Two questions that he posited to me, and I'm going to just throw them out to the rest of the nest as well. First and foremost, can you tell me about which starting pitcher has perhaps been the most consistent or for you the most dominant and what might be the X factor for them to get that call up? Of course, there are so many things outside of a player's control, specifically roster spots, but What's that guy that stands out to you on a regular basis on the slope? Well, for the last two months, it's been Zach Thompson and somebody who was acquired in the offseason for Chavez Young and had big big league experience, good major league experience, spending all of last year with Pittsburgh. And you expected at some point the Blue Jays were probably going to need him uh, to, to go up and make a spot start. Talk about the, the reality of baseball was designated for assignment uh, right around the beginning of June. But really, in his two starts prior to that, had been starting to pitch really well, went home for a couple of days, took that process of being on the waiver wire to go home, have a mental reset a month before the all-star break. And when he came back after clearing the waiver wire, you could just tell he was not a different person, but he just had a different uh, vibe about himself in a good way. Not that he had a bad, you know, body language or anything before that, but just being able to go home for, for a couple of days uh, really did him good. And uh, sometimes, that mental aspect of it uh, is such a big part of this game, and you, you push all that off to the side when you uh, you know go onto the field, but it can it can factor in. And I think definitely for Zach Thompson, for him the last two months, he's been the most consistent top of the rotation pitcher for the Bison. You know, Casey Lawrence no longer in the organization. You would have put them one A and one B. Uh, Wes Parsons has pitched well to the uh, tune of an International League Pitcher of the Week honors. So for somebody who was coming off a back injury last year and. Uh, really had to ramp up after signing with the Blue Jays in early May. He's been consistent, but I think Zach Thompson has really risen above uh, all, all the rest. And like you mentioned, it, it's just a matter of having a 40-man spot at this point uh, to, to be able to add somebody like uh, Thompson to the big league roster. But you know, if, if that spot became available, I think he'd be your guy. Lastly, from Jerry Mack, what's been your favorite walk-off win of the year for the Herd? There have been a few. There have also been some exciting non-walk-off games, but anywhere the uh, the Buffalo Bisons found the way to get to the victory in that last out. For example, the Canadians' eight walk-off wins this year. Ontario Street has turned into walk-off city North America. So what about for you at AAA? Well, I have to go back to the series that Buffalo had against Syracuse in downtown Buffalo in the middle part of May when Buffalo walked off four out of five games against Syracuse. And uh, the two-homer game for Jordan Luplo where he really hit the pop-up. And even in talking to Jordan afterwards, he had no idea the ball was going to get out, but it carried over the wall for a three-run homer. It was his second home run of the night. Uh, as, as the fans, it was a Friday night, I think it was. You know, he gestures to the fans, almost that Russell Crowe, are you entertained look. Um, and, and it was just a, a fun moment uh, for the Bisons, which, you know, you go back to that point of the season, had really struggled and really had a lot of difficulties winning games. You talk about the consistency, not having a solid lineup uh, day in and day out, and being able to build that winning culture here uh, this year to walk off four out of five games against Syracuse was fun. And for Luplo, who had just been with the team uh, for a, a relatively short period of time, and somebody himself who, who was DFA'd somewhere in the process, I don't have the, the timeline quite, uh, you know, in my head. I can't remember exactly when that was, but, you know, just sent to Buffalo a little bit before that. You know, he was going through a lot of different things, and uh, for him to have that walk-off win was a lot of fun and a fun night to be at the ballpark.
Talk about some serendipity, because when we get to our high A update, I was going to talk about Garrett Spain's two-out, two-run walk-off home run. We've been calling him the Spaniard, and you say, Russell Crowe, are you not entertained? Terrific gladiator reference from a true pro, AAA Pat Malacaro. Pat, before we say goodbye, as always, we finish your update with how we can keep up to date with all things Bisons, and of course, tune into your broadcasts every day. Yeah, you can find us if you're an Odyssey station. You can go out of the Odyssey app and search the Bet 1520. All our games will be there. Um, you go to bisons.com. There'll be a link to the the Odyssey website as well for, where you can follow along. And if, if you want to see some of my trials and uh, tribulations of uh, walking through the downtown Syracuse and the Empire State Trail, you can follow me at PatWGR. We always have uh, have some fun stuff off the field to, to uh, share as well. Pat, as always, thank you very much. Be of good voice tonight. We'll catch up again a couple of weeks from now. The Herd looking to stay hot in the second half. Cheers to you, my friend. Thanks, Tyler. That's Pat Malacaro from AAA Buffalo. Let's go one rung down on the ladder to AA New Hampshire. Checking in from Portland, Maine, Hadlock Field in the Forest City. They call it vacation land as well. Gareth Kwok. Gareth, good day to you. It's not been much of a vacation for the Fisher Cats in the second half. As you check in on the road this week, what's been going on for Cesar Martins Club over the last few weeks? Yeah, you mentioned uh, the, the vacation land, how it hasn't been that sort of a period, I guess you could say, for the Fisher Cats in this second half. Uh, to me, in my opinion, it's just not adding up all three of the, the elements, you could say, between the, the hitting, pitching, and fielding. You'll have one night where, hey, the bats go off, they have a good good performance, but then the pitching sort of doesn't do their job. Or it, the roles might flip-flop. You know, the pitching does very well, the hitting gets shut out. So it seems like you have a little bit of, uh, you know, incontinuity there between, uh, you know, different sides of the baseball. So I just think between having those having those sort of that, that disconnection there it's hard to win when you only can do you know one or two things well and the other side's not really performing we lost as we just heard from triple a pat malacaro or elvis martinez in double a and that's of course buffalo's gain so with Orelvis no longer in the lineup who's going to be that big bopper that guy you circle in the lineup card saying they're going to come to the dish and be an impact maker i think leo jimenez has a great opportunity to continue to be that guy and perhaps now there's an opportunity for somebody else to step up so from your point of view in the press box who might that be yeah i mean you mentioned uh, you know first off leo jimenez and just how well he's been performing arguably uh, the Fisher Cats' most consistent hitter since really after he was activated off the injured list in, in mid-May. And right now he holds the longest active on base streak in the Eastern League, 22 straight games. This guy just finds a way to get on base. Doesn't matter if he's hit by a pitch, he's drawing walks, he's getting extra base hits. He finds a way to do it. To your question, though, about who might be kind of that middle-of-the-order guy, I see like a Rainer Nunez really stepping in and this is his opportunity to, to drive in some base runners. He's been off to a little bit of a slow start since, uh, you know, since adjusting the double a, but now he's going to be hitting three and four, you know, behind Damiano Palmagiani and behind Leo Jimenez. And he can have a real opportunity to drive in some runs and sort of turn that batting average around Had a home run earlier this week off the batter's eye uh, in straightaway center here at Hadlock. And so uh, I, I see Rainer Nunez. This could be a really important uh, rest of the second half for Rainer just, just to see what adjustments he makes at the plate and also just uh, how he matures as a hitter. There have been a lot of call-ups this year going from high A Vancouver up to double A New Hampshire. And of course, the trickle-down effect means a lot of single A Dunedin Blue Jays have become Vancouver Canadians of late, which we're going to talk about when we tap in with Chris Valentine. But 
I'd like to get your early impression from Alan Roden. I know it's only been a couple of games for the pride of Middleton, Wisconsin. It was a great moment in Vancouver last Sunday. Devontae Brown, who we'll talk about in just a little bit, hit a three-run walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth. The boys were mobbing him. Everybody meets on the third base side of the field where the home dugout is. And that's when manager Brent LaValle told the team and Allen that Roden was getting the promotion. It was a wonderful moment. All Everybody hugging Allen, giving him a lot of love. And Allen certainly deserving of that promotion. Before I get your thoughts, Gareth, I just want to run some Northwest League stats by you about Allen Roden, the third rounder out of Creighton, uh, and trying to be like Will Robertson. Blue Jay to Blue Jay, of course, collegiate to the pros. Allen leaves the Northwest League, leading the circuit in batting average at 321, on base percentage at 437, and tied for first in hits at 86. He's also on the league leaderboard for doubles as well as for OPS. You'll find him there in walks, extra base hits, and runs scored. So that's the type of player that you're getting. Really a machine at the top of the order in high A, and now going to get similar opportunities in double A as well couple of hits in his first game he's continued to find ways to get on base what's been your first blush for Allen Road well I think the first thing you notice at least is that just the stance too right how high he holds those hands above his helmet it's like what is that batting stance but as you said literally in his first double a at bat boom a, a solid line drive in the right field and just you, you can see already Cesar Martin has high, high confidence in him putting him number two in the order behind Leo Jimenez and, of course, it's going to be a different of a one, two, three order for this Fisher Cats team the rest of the way. It was a lot of Jimenez, Martinez, Palmajani. Now you might maybe see some Jimenez, Roden, and then Palmajani, Nunez. You can flip-flop Nunez, Palmajani as well. And so already you're seeing from Roden three hits in this series. He's finding ways to put the bat on the ball. And uh, I think he's already becoming a he, – he's going to become, become a big top-of-the-order hitter for this Fisher Cats squad moving forward. Let's talk pitching as we tap in with that question from Jerry Mack on Twitter, but do it double A style now with you, Gareth. We saw a great outing from Sam Robertson the other day. I think it was five and two thirds scoreless, just one out shy of a quality start. We've seen Adam Kloffenstein putting together a very solid season, even though he took the loss earlier in that series at Hadlock Field. Of course, Chad Dallas has come up to double A, and he's looked very comfortable at the level. So for you, if you had to pick one starter this year so far, who would be that guy that you've said, wow, he's been the most impressive? And then like a secondary question for that would be, what does that starter need to do to continue their development and get that call up to AAA? I mean, I think from the first half body of work, Adam Kloppenstein has really turned it around the way from last year where the ERA was was over six and he was getting hit around a lot. And now, you know, this year, it just seems like he's found uh, he's found a new himself you could say uh, 12 starts of five innings or more uh, prior to the first half ending he's been among the league leaders in era innings pitched strikeouts he's consistently in that top five top six range in the circuit and so i just think for cloth the way he's been uh, commanding his pitches and and being able to throw that that cutter that slider in on the back foot to lefties has been really effective for him getting a lots of lots of swings and misses loves to work fast uh, and when he's on the mound doesn't waste any time and so I think just between that and and the first half was was very good. His last couple of starts, he's been getting a little hit around between Portland and Hartford. So I think just being the, what I think I saw from the first half was his way to fight through that adversity. Even when base runners got on, he still bared down, found a way to get out of the frame. And so this second half, the guys are going to have those the scouting reports, right? They see what what hey, what was working for him in that first half, how they 
he adjusts as well. I think for the second half of the season, it's going to be important if he can continue can continue that success. You mentioned those Hartford Yard goats. We here in High A are in Spokane, Washington this week, taking on the Rockies affiliate, the Indians at Avista Stadium. I am very glad that some of those former Spokane Indians from this year, most notably Yankiel Fernandez and Jordan Beck, are no longer the Canadians' problem. And now it's up to you and the Fisher Cats to have to deal <laughs> with a couple of those top 30 Rockies prospects. They can swing it, especially the 20-year-old Cuban, Yankiel Fernandez, who left this league as the Triple Crown leader. But thank goodness they got rid of him a few weeks ago, and we've enjoyed that with him out, without him doing damage to the Canadians and the rest of the pitching staffs in the Northwest League. Let's finish with this. I know as the road broadcaster, you don't get to call walk-off wins. I used to be in that spot that you were in, and I certainly remember the frustration sometimes of not getting a chance to be on the call for them of some of those exciting late-inning walk-offs at uh, the Tooth in downtown Manchester. So I'll allow this, Gareth. You could tell us about your favorite walk-off win this year that you got to witness, albeit maybe not call, or your favorite late-inning win where the Fisher Cats came on strong late, whether it was the ninth inning or extra innings, and they found a way to win one out uh, unfortunately zig fisher cats have not had a walk-off win all year not As a single a one fact, i thought there was not, one not a single one oh. fisher cats are oh and eight and walk off and games that end in a walk-off they are oh and eight and, and yeah i'm the road broadcaster right so it seems like i'm on the brunt of this of saying and that and that's a walk-off win for so-and-so and that's the ball game <laughs> but i will tell you of a, a fun go-ahead win Fisher Cats had in the first half. And this was in the Harrisburg trip. And uh, and shout out, by the way, press press row, press food area in Harrisburg is is amazing. Uh, like you like we talked about last time while we were on this podcast. But Will Robertson, Fisher Cats were down by a run in the seventh. This was a getaway game on the Sunday. So you're hoping for a happy bus ride back. And Will Robertson comes to the plate here down Fisher Cats down by a run. What does he do? He just smacks all, the hardest line drive in the right field just over the wall into the first row of seats for a go-ahead grand slam. And we look back at Will's uh, his game logs and his stats. That's his first professional grand slam. He kept it for a good time in a game where the Fisher Cats need to go ahead hit. And uh, the Fisher Cats would end up winning that game. And it would be a pretty fun bus ride back to Manchester from Harrisburg. So that I'll give you for a go-ahead win. But maybe after we end this podcast, maybe next, next homestand, Fisher Cats might have a, a walk-off win coming up soon. Here's to hoping because I had <laughs> surely thought that the Fisher Cats would have at least one walk-off, but it sounds like the Canadians have taken all of the walk-off mojo and kept that in Vancouver. Sees our eight. Can, can you send one it? Can you send us some here? I'll send can you, you send a few. Some here? I'll tell you, the Canadians have uh, walked off in spades. The Seas are a season high, 20 games over 500 entering play tonight. They could go up 21 games over 500 and secure a series split. So the C's have a little extra good vibes to share. So uh, sharing is caring. And I know skipper Brent LaVallee in his second year at the helm for Vancouver certainly would not mind sharing a little bit of that good mojo. And so let's hope it trickles up. Maybe Alan Roden brings that walk-off energy, even though Alan, despite having eight walk-offs and being a guy at the top of the order and at the center of a lot of Vancouver's success before his promotion, Alan was not involved in any walk-off wins except for a two-out walk that set up my favorite walk-off of the year, which was the two-out 
out two-run homer for Garrett Spain as the summer of Spain has continued here in high A. Certainly a guy having a career year, which we can get to in just a little bit. Garrett, as always, before we say goodbye to you and you get yourself, whether it's a sea dog biscuit or perhaps one of the many delicious boxed meals that they bring there in the Hadlock Field press box, tell us how we can keep up to date with you, the Fisher Cats, and tune into your broadcasts. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, HeyGQuok. That's H-E-Y-G-K-W-O-K. Uh, you can uh, follow us on, on our uh, – at least you can tune in on WGIR and Fox Sports 930. We're on the iHeartRadio app, Valley Live for home games, as well as MILB.TV, and uh, on Twitter at FisherCats as well. So we'll hope to have a, have a fun end to this road trip here at Hadlock before we come home again to – uh, take on the Hartford Yard Goats and see those young Kiel Fernandez as the Jordan Becks of the world coming up. <laughs> uh, Gareth, as you get back to downtown Manchester, put a $10 bet on Rowdy Red to take the uh, week-long series of Fisher Cat Sumo for me, will you? No, absolutely. I think that's a lock. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to text my insider, a.k.a. Rowdy Red himself, to make sure he knows he's got $10 riding on his big belly. Gareth, as always, really appreciate the time. Get some wins there this weekend at Hadlock Field, and we will try and limit the walk-off walks as well in AA New Hampshire. Gareth, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Zig. Gareth Kwok has always given us the insider's info. Love the updates from AA. And we go down to single-A Dunedin to tap in with Chris Valentine. Chris, good day to you. Let's wrap back and forth about the two lowest levels of the full season ladder here between the two of us. We get those upper minors guys out of here, and now we can really get into the weeds at the base bottom of the system where the guys really still have that passion and that fire. Of course, I'm yes. only kidding. Passion and fire at the upper levels as well. Pierce form of minor league baseball right down here. It really is. And you know what? Uh, we, we made a promise to you. When you came on for this week's edition, let's talk about the two game winning streak for Donnie Murphy's club, which started with what might be your favorite walk off win of the year to end a certain stretch of games that didn't go the DJ's way. Yeah, it's a uh, it was a pretty tough stretch. I'll talk about it. Nine games in a, <laughs> in a row that uh, that we were unfortunate enough to drop. But yeah, the uh, the walk off win the other night was insane. Uh, we had to extras tied four to four. Uh, Lakeland comes up, they score four on the top of the 10th and you seem destined to lose your 10th game in a row. Uh, seems like just anything you do, the baseball gods don't like it. Uh, but lo and behold, end up mounting a comeback, a lot of really good at bats to set up the go ahead runner, the winning run on first base. And Victor Messia had the opportunity cashed in a three RBI. It was ruled a triple any other day of the week. That's a double by Messia, not exactly fleet of foot, but Scampered into third at the tail end of the play. So we'll give it to him uh, to get the first win since uh, July 4th. And it was a fantastic, fantastic way to cap off the night and just to end the streak. The DJs demanding their independence from a losing streak and doing so in walk-off fashion. You love to see that. And I'm sure even Donnie Murphy cracked a smile. Oh, definitely. We love D Murph. I got to know him when he was the hitting coach for the Fisher Cats in 2019 he is a, a classic baseball guy, still relatively young. I think he's in his late 30s, maybe early 40s with a young family. Uh, he's got two great kids and a lovely wife. I've had a chance to meet his whole family over the course of first that time in New Hampshire. And then, of course, 2021, he was the skipper for the Canadians before joining the DJs last year. That is a guy who certainly is very pleased to get back-to-back W's. And for you, Chris, what has been some of the keys to success for the DJs when they have found the win column over the last few weeks? 
it's been the same old story. Just you need to get hitting and pitching to click at the same time. And sure. that pitching really clicked late in that game. Uh, unfortunate run to tie it up in the eighth on a really tough call at third base that I just don't agree with. Uh, we've had a couple instances of uh, some 50-50 calls maybe going against us to to continue on this streak, but that's baseball for you. Uh, over the Especially last night uh, in terms of the pitching, it was a shutdown performance by Lazaro Estrada, Davis Feldman, and Alex Amalfi. Uh, just nine innings of fantastic pitching by them. Uh, and it's just waiting for that hitting to click at that exact time. And the last two nights, that's what's happened. That's interesting you say that, and we heard that as well uh, from Gareth Kwok and even from Pat talking about when those teams have had success, which, of course, is pretty simple and straightforward. It's a simple game, after all. The pitching is pitching. The hitting is hitting. And, of course, you've got to make the plays behind your pitchers as well. I feel like that's at the center of the Canadian success this year. They are the most complete team in the six-team Northwest League by far. They lead the league in pitching. Specifically, the relief core has been lights out, fantastic bullpen work, thanks in part to uh, bullpen coach Austin Bibbins-Dirks, who's making his professional coaching debut this year after 17 seasons in Pro Bowl, including two in the big leagues. He's been a treat to have. And then it's the deepest lineup in the system, in my opinion, although I'm a little bit biased because I get to watch it every night. But one through nine, even without Alan Roden now, you've got guys who are really putting together quality at bats and there is no hole in the lineup. And that was made evidenced by Ryan McCarty, who is off to an incredible start in his first three games here in high A. He has hit four doubles now out of six hits. He's driven in a couple of runs, scored four times. Both of his doubles in last night's game sparked big innings. In fact, he had a big double to start the inning in the second, which led to a two-out, three-run home run from Kekai Rios, which broke a scoreless tie. And then McCarty with a double that proved to score the eventual winning run to make it at the time, 4-1 Canadians, and the Seas would go on to win 7-3. This is the reigning D3 baseball player of the year, but you don't often see D3 ballers making their way into the professional ranks, let alone having the success that Ryan has had to start his high-A career. So what did you enjoy from the pride of Yardley PA before he got the call up to high-A? Uh, what what's not to enjoy from Ryan McCarty? He's an overall great guy, uh, excellent clubhouse guy, always a smile on his face, uh, very, very good family guy. His family is fantastic. I've had the opportunity to meet uh, some of his family down here in Dunedin. Uh, but uh, it's been great just to see him progress uh, from the start of his career about this time last year in Dunedin, getting signed as a non-drafted free agent, uh, just continuing to learn how to hit professional hitting. And it's been fantastic to see. He started off the year a little rough, uh, batting average was close to 200 for the majority of the season. And over the last month and a half, he really turned it on and you saw exactly what you hoped you would see uh, from the offseason progression with him hitting gap to gap. And he's got sneaky pop. He comes in at about five, nine, five, ten, five, about 170 pounds and he can hit the ball, man. It, it's it's not something you'd expect when you just glance at the guy. But when you see his at bats, when you see how good his bat speed is when you see how good of a swing he takes it. You become less and less surprised the more you watch him. The pop for sure was something that jumped out at me. Even in his first batting practice on Tuesday, he wasn't scheduled to start, but there was a late scratch. So he got the call. He played second base that day, made some great plays in the field, had terrific times at the dish. Of course, as you mentioned, it's the exit velo that really jumps out at you for a guy, as you said, 
looks more like a broadcaster, perhaps, than a professional <laughs> baseball player. But Ryan McCarty certainly can ball with the best of them. And he played first base two nights ago and then last night played third base and made a terrific short hop play charging in on the infield with number eight Rockies prospect Benny Montgomery. Or ex- excuse me, he's even better. He's number five racing down the line. Spokane has a penchant for late inning comeback. So that was a big final out. And he showed off a cannon as well. So there's a ton of strength for McCarty and certainly a guy who has been fun to watch so far. So now that Ryan is not on your roster, who's going to be a spark plug for the DJs at the plate? Uh, well, honestly, I think it's going to give a guy like Gene Arnaez a lot more at-bats. Um, he's been a uh, first-base catcher, uh, mixing back and forth, mainly playing first base in DH uh, when he gets the opportunity. But when he has gotten the opportunity, uh, he's been batting around 270 uh, over about, I want to say, 20 total games, if I'm remembering his stats correctly. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a guy... he. Hasn't shown a ton of pop, but he's shown a good track to the ball in the zone and just putting the ball in play, uh, hitting it the other way, not being afraid to, and just getting himself on base. And I think someone like him is going to get that opportunity. And if I know Gene, like I think I know Gene, I think uh, he's going to take that opportunity in stride and hopefully show everybody here what he's got. Let's talk about some pitching. A guy that you got to know quite well, Rafael Sanchez, put together his finest turn in high A on Sunday against Eugene. That was the walk-off win. He was ready to get his first W in high A. He went six scoreless, two hits, two walks, and three strikeouts. It was the Rafa Sanchez that you got to know and love, and of course the Florida State League April Pitcher of the Month. Sanchez certainly has still struggled to find his consistent footing here in high A, but a guy who we are really excited about for the stretch run and for the postseason as well, who almost certainly is going to get a postseason start when September comes around. Uh, For me, to answer that question from Jerry Mack on Twitter, Rafael Sanchez, certainly one of those guys, but for me, the most exciting starter has been Devereaux Harrison, who is uh, the reigning Northwest League Pitcher of the Month for June. He had a 0.78 ERA last month, lost his first two July starts, but last night here in Spokane got the win with five scores scattered five singles, lots of soft contact, and a guy who started the year as a reliever, of course, drafted Devereaux Harrison was in the ninth round out of Long Beach State last year, so his first full season as a pro. And one other name I'll throw out there for Jerry Mack is Michael Dominguez, who's having his best season yet here in high A. Five wins, two losses, a 4.29 ERA. What Dominguez still has to work on is limiting the pitch count early so that he can work a little bit longer in games. Sometimes he'll lose batters if he gets out in front nothing in two. Then all of a sudden, two balls evens the count. That changes the complexity and the complexion of the at-bats. And then he'll see those walk numbers start to climb up. He's walked four batters in each of his last two starts. So a couple of things that Dominguez will have to work on. And for Devereaux Harrison, just still getting his feet under him as a starter, made his ninth start last night. He looks quite comfortable and certainly a college guy as opposed to Dominguez, who's a high school guy. So Devereaux perhaps a little bit more polished in some of those big game situations, but a glut of quality pitching for high A Vancouver. What about for single A Dunedin? Who's been your starter or even a bullpen guy that has really stood out and what can they do to continue to get better? Uh, Well, I've got one name from both the starting role and the bullpen role to to mention. Uh, I'll start with uh, Pat Gallagher, who came up a little bit later in the season. Uh, He's made nine appearances, seven starts for us over his uh, uh, 10 and eight, 10 and eight starts. Uh, I can't remember. Either way, uh, he's just shown a massive amount of improvement uh, since the first time we saw him out in Bradenton uh, on our first road trip there. Uh, Gave up multiple runs in four of his first six appearances, uh, but over his last two starts, he's looked 
fantastic. You can definitely see what they've been working on with him, uh, attacking the zone, getting ahead in counts, uh, and then using his fantastic breaking stuff, his uh, his otherworldly changeup from what I've seen uh, to get guys out. And it's been fantastic over his last two, uh, July 7th at Tampa, or versus Tampa, six and a third, no hit, uh, eight Ks to tie a career high. Then the last time out in Bradenton, another five shutout innings, or rather five one-run innings, my apologies, three hits, another eight Ks to retie that career high. He's just been, it looks like everything that they've worked with him has developed quite nicely. Uh, he's definitely our number one starter right now, but a little caveat as uh, Brandon Barrier is going to make his return tonight. Uh, very excited to see what what he uh, comes back with after taking about a month-ish off uh, on the IL. Can't wait to see him pitch a few innings tonight. Uh, and then in the bullpen, Lazaro Estrada has been outstanding. Fastball that sits about 93, 94, can get up to 95. And then uh, nasty changeup, nasty slider. He has been a workhorse out of the bullpen, pitching multiple innings. We've even tried him out as a starter the last couple of series. And last night where he went three innings, uh, seven Ks, no runs, just looks unhittable when he's on his best stuff. Just taking notes over here for me, getting ready to start talking about all these guys in high Vancouver sooner rather than later as we continue two guys, to rob the staff yeah. of the DJs. Two guys I could definitely see pitching in Canadian jerseys later on. Well, let's finish with this. You have the unique opportunity to use your home base as the Dunedin Complex, of course, state-of-the-art there uh, near TD Ballpark and certainly a place that the rest of Major League Baseball looks at with envy and with the draft having come and gone now. Are there any quality vibes or extra excitement, maybe a little bit of goosebumps going around the complex at this time of year after the draft has been completed? Lots of uh, uh, high marks for the Blue Jays draft this year. Some exciting guys who we're going to end up talking about here on Around the Nest over the next weeks, months, and years. What has the vibe been like at the complex at the American headquarters for our parent club? Well, I don't get to go over there as often as I'd like. Pretty, stay pretty busy here at TD Ballpark. But from what I know about the complex, it's just excitement over there right now. Obviously, uh, 15 of 19 draft picks just signed and three non-drafted. So 18 guys that will have their first real taste of pro ball. Some of them will get up to our affiliate, maybe your affiliate in the uh, in the coming weeks. Other guys will have to wait till 2024 before they get some of the game action of professional baseball. But yeah, the entire organization is excited, really looking forward to the next couple months and seeing what these guys have uh, in terms of professional ability and tapping into uh, what they think they can unlock. You just never know. We got guys here in Vancouver drafted last year, like Kay Doty, Josh Kasovich. Mm-hmm. We talked about Devereaux Harrison, Alan Roden, who we talked about with AA New Hampshire. Exciting time to be in the Jays system, top down. And certainly we are lucky to be able to talk about it every night on the radio and elsewhere. And speaking of that, Chris, as we wrap up another edition of Around the Nest, tell us, as always, how we can follow along with you, the DJs, and your broadcasts. DaneBlueJays.com. Uh, has the radio link right there on the front page. We just actually added that to the website on the front page. Uh, you had to go into uh, all the different little tabs to to get to it, but we're making some improvements down here at Single A. Uh, also on the MILB First Pitch app, click that headphone icon and scroll down to Dunedin. Click play. You'll hear my voice. Sorry about that, but you'll hear my voice. <laughs> um, and then uh, follow at Dunedin Blue Jays on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok now. 
got a couple of fun ideas for videos coming out, especially on TikTok. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, Valentine underscore nine. And that's all you need to know. Who's more likable than Chris Valentine in the Florida State League? Let me tell you, number one in our hearts and number one in the broadcast booth for Singalade, Dunedin. Chris, as always, thanks for the info, the insight, and the entertainment. Thank you. Another edition of Around the Nest in the books. Certainly a fun one today, checking in with every level of the minor league ladder for the Blue Jays and an exciting finish to the season to come as we have a few more episodes on deck and maybe have a postseason wrap-up as well in our future as Leo Mui, our producer, nods in agreement. Leo, we will work on that together. For all of us at Around the Nest, including Pat Malacaro, Gareth Kwok, and Chris Valentine, and indeed Leo, our intrepid producer, getting us on the Zoom each and every week. I'm Tyler Zickel signing out, saying go Blue Jays, and thanks for tuning in to Around the Nest.